Hey, it's your host, Britt, and welcome back to Fertility Ain't Fair. Um, So today, I want to start with uh, the old saying, you never know what someone else is going through, um, because that is really what brought together myself and our guest. Uh, We actually worked together for a bit and had no idea that during the time we were both struggling with infertility and actually ended up going to the same clinic. Uh, different doctors but same team and so after like over a year we reconnected on social media and I was just super excited to see that she has shared you know her challenges you know talked about her IVF story and she was pregnant so super super excited for her Um, and here we are so I'm excited for her to share her journey um, and to learn more about the path that she had to take to get to her miracle and her motherhood story. Uh, so let's welcome Lindsay to Fertility Ain't Fair. Lindsay, thank you so much for being here. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so I'm, I'm super excited. So I gave a quick backstory that we used to work together and had no idea. At the same time, we were both having our own infertility struggles and ended up at the same clinic. Um, and then it took over a year to reconnect. And I just was so happy that you were um, welcoming, you know, and open with me in regards to what you've been going through and then, you know, giving your words of advice um, over to me. So thank you for coming on Fertility Ain't Fair. Um, and we'll just jump in because I'm, I'm starting each show the same way. So I want to know, how do you identify? Like, what are the words that you would use to describe Lindsay? So a few words that would describe me are uh, strong, caring, independent, kind, um, daughter, sister, wife, friend to all. And now um, I'm so happy to say that I get to add mother to that list. Yay! I'm so excited for you. Oh, thank um, you. Thank you. Yeah, like that's, I mean, obviously, our goal is to share as much success as possible, but also honor your journey from, from A to Z. Um, but for right now, in the moment, so you're about to be a first time mommy. So, how do you feel? Like, how has this all felt for you being it's, it's real, it's happening? So, how do you feel? Oh, gosh. Oh, it has been absolutely surreal. Um, I mean, obviously, all I've ever wanted to be is a mom, and it's finally happening, and it's crazy. Um, we're due in about three short months um, or less. It's like one of those things where I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it's actually happening. But I will say some days are definitely hard. Um, the trauma that infertility leaves is is unfortunately so deep-rooted that, like, even mm-hmm. when you do get that positive test, you kind of can't help but feel like you're holding your breath for the entire nine months. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately you're just kind of so used to bad news that you can't fully enjoy the good, which is really sad, but I think it's kind of in my defense mechanism a little bit. Um, I'm finally starting to allow myself to let it feel real. Luckily, um, with the many doctor's appointments, um, and ultrasounds, I'm able to like have the assurance that the baby is okay and everything's all right on track and that not to worry, but some days it's it's still hard because I'm just stuck in the infertility mode of like yeah. bad news. Yeah. Yeah. So how have you um, in the back half of your pregnancy, how have you allowed yourself to enjoy? Was it 
you know, picking out the clothes and the room and like, what are the things that you have done to allow yourself to be okay and happy in this moment? Yeah, that's a great question. It's one of those things that like, I kind of told myself I was going to try to get to 20 weeks before I even thought about the room. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, before I bought anything, I think the first thing I bought were actually a pair of little tiny baby shoes. And they were like the cutest <laughs> thing I'd ever seen. I was in Target and I saw them and I started crying. And I'm like, okay, well, I have to buy these. Um, <laughs> and that's kind of actually how I told my husband that we were pregnant um, is with some little, hot, little pink shoes to say that you're going to be a dad. But after that, I had been pretty guarded about like, not purchasing anything, not thinking about the nursery until mm-hmm. I felt like we were in a good, safe place. Yeah. Um, but now, you know, since I've been able to see her little face and see her moving around and hearing the reinsurance of everything's right on track, I've been able to like allow myself to be like, okay, this is real. Like we're going to, at this point, I'm 27 weeks. So we're past the viability where, you know, if God forbid I did go into labor now, everything would be better than it would be before, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. The one step closer to bringing a baby actually home, which is absolutely. Yeah. And is this your first pregnancy? No. Well, yes. Um, Yeah. Viable. We'll say. Okay. Okay. um, I had a miscarriage in January of 2020 and that's kind of what led us to this point of figuring out something was going on. Yeah. So before we jump in there, so I guess let's go back to, you know, pre-marriage, pre-family planning, you know, what were your individual thoughts when it came to, you know, wanting kids and wanting a family? So I've always wanted kids. Um, I originally went to college to be an elementary school teacher, um, ended up taking a different route. And that's how you and I met in the marketing world. Um, (laughs) But I was always gravitating to children, uh, especially babies. And I would be like one of those people that literally would find a baby and end up holding strangers' children. Like, yeah, me too. <laughs> it sounds creepy. <laughs> nope, me too. <laughs> but somehow, I guess I have a, a trusting face or a kind face that people were like, whatever, this <laughs> girl's going to hold my kid, whether I want her to or not. <laughs> um but yeah I've always wanted children and and thankfully my husband and I has been we've been on the same page about it he's wanted um children from the start and we had that conversation very early on in our relationship because that was like very important to me and to him um it was funny we were actually at getting some ice cream last week and I ran into a girlfriend from high school and she has two little girls and one is three and we're in the parking lot and we're walking across to the ice cream store and the little girl just grabs his hand and Aww. like walks across the parking lot holding his hand <laughs> with her dad beside her <laughs> Bobby's hand not her dad's hand and it like literally made me want to melt into a puddle on the ground oh it was so sweet and the mom looked at me and she was like well he's just got to get his practice in and I'm like oh my god like this is gonna be us in a few years when our kids that's like awesome. walk in with ice cream. Yeah, it yeah, was really that's a, that's awesome. I love that. <laughs> so at at that point, so okay, marriage does happen, and you are both on the same page. And so, you know, when did you all say, okay, we want to start to conceive? Was it immediate? Did you all give yourself some time? Like, what was kind of like your your envisionment for how your family was gonna start at the beginning? Yes. We're actually a military couple and we kind of bounced around all over Georgia for a while. And we both had said, okay, we knew that his military career was going to end. So we're like, why don't we wait 
till we get settled in Richmond, get jobs, you know, feel comfortable, move all settled into our home. And then, you know, of course, everyone around us at that point was having babies left and right. Um, We had really no reason to think we would have any issue at all. Because I mean, why would you we've never you I'll say this too, like being in school, no ever mentions the possibility of struggling to conceive it's all right do not have sex don't (laughs) write a penis you're gonna get (laughs) pregnant like I remember it's hilarious I had my my best friend um who's still my best friend of the day we used to write notes back and forth to each other we were in I think middle school and she was like can you get pregnant from dry humping and I'm like (laughs) it just goes to show you we don't know anything like you think you can get pregnant from anything they Anything. don't ever say it could potentially be an issue. So yeah. you're, we're kind of set up failure a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you're like the whole time you're trained. Oh my gosh, I got to take this pill every single day at the exact same time or I will get pregnant. And of course that happens for some people, which is wonderful, you know, if that's their plan. But that was unfortunately not what happened for us. Yeah, it's, like, all the things that, like, you wish you would have been told or, you know, just, I guess, wish you would have been exposed to because I really felt the same way. Like, we've been, we've grown up in this world where, like I said, it was, like, don't get pregnant, don't have sex, take birth control, you know, all these things. And then you get to the point where you actually want to get pregnant and start a family. And then when that doesn't happen, like, as you envisioned it, it's, like, it's devastating, Oh, because absolutely. Like the whole, the whole vision is like blown to shit. And you're just like, wait, I thought if I did these quote unquote right things and I got married and I had my, my person and, you know, I, I tried to do all the right things leading up to this point and then you're ready. And then it's just like, well, no, right. it's like, but how come, how come no one said there were other possibilities and maybe that scared us to death, but like, how come there wasn't more of a conversation around reproductive health and things that could affect it before you're like 20 some 30 some and you're trying to like figure it all out now. Cause now it's like crazy. <laughs> right. And that's, what's crazy too, is it's like, they don't also talk about how hard it is to try to get pregnant naturally. Yes. Like I felt like neurotic at times. Like Mm -hmm. I would call my husband in the middle of the day and be like, oh my gosh, it's time. You need to come home for lunch. (laughs) And then I'd be like, did we miss it by 27 minutes? You know, like stupid stuff that you just don't know until you're in that place. And then of course, when you do find out down the road that there's something actually else going on, you're like, how do I wrap my brain around this? That's something Mm -hmm. that's so fun and also connecting and intimate and something that you're supposed to like, enjoy with your your spouse is kind of not fun anymore yeah yep it's, and it's like a it science project. Sad. yeah it's sad it's it's like so much science behind it and it's like once again you were never really explained like the intricacies of how a baby is made it was very simple for us it was like this is what happens you get together you know boom 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 and you could get pregnant but it was like, no, there's a lot of science behind this and no one's really broken this down for us. And like you said, now you're trying to like, you know, get your brain wrapped around it. And it's just so much it, at one time, yes. you know, but it goes to show too, like now that I know what I know, mm-hmm. every single person on this earth was actually like 
a true miracle because yeah, the, the science, like you said, behind actually getting pregnant, everything has to line up and the stars have to line up perfectly mm-hmm. and everything has to happen at the exact perfect moment for it to happen. And it just makes you think, wow, like, you know, when you're having a bad day and you're like, damn, I was, I was put on this earth for, I guess, a real reason, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I, we talked about a little, you know, about how normal journeys look or, you know, easier journeys look. And so at what point in time, or did you, you know, did you think, okay, something here is different or like something could be wrong because like you mentioned, people are, you know, getting pregnant left and right. Um, we think it should be easy. We're trained to think that. So like, when did you feel like, okay, there's something else going on here and I might need to get like additional help from like a specialist. So it's really funny you asked me this. Um, I always said my biggest fear was not being able to have children, Mm. not your normal fear, like dying alone or spiders or the dark. I mean, (laughs) I vividly remember saying this in early high school and honestly don't even know where this fear came from because it was never like a thing. It wasn't Mm -hmm. talked about. It wasn't mentioned. Um, even in the tele the tv or movies at this mm-hmm. point i mean back in i guess i was graduated in 2008 so like early 2000s i just for some reason would always say it um it was just like a deep fear that i'd always had but i mean i guess it was for good reason mm-hmm. my gut ended up telling me something was off after us trying for about six months and i couldn't quite put my finger on it but i just knew something And I'm so glad I went with my gut because I ended up figuring out what was wrong with me. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's crazy that you say that because I too have always had that fear. And once again, I don't know where it came from. I, you know, there was nothing medically at that time that would have told me that that could be a possibility but there was just something in me. I would, I would, I would joke about it. And I hate saying that now because it's, it's obviously not a joke and it's very real. And so, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. But like, I always would have, you know, laughs with my girlfriends. Like, I'll be the one who can't have kids or watch. I'll, you know, I'm the one who can't get pregnant. And I, I joked said the about same it. Thing. It's crazy, but I've never also like you're the first person I think that I have shared that with, like because. In terms of like, I I never heard someone else say that. Even my husband was like, "You used to say, you know, blah blah." And I was like, "I know, right?" Like even when I met like, you, I, I was saying myself? it, <laughs> right? And that and that's exactly where I was. I was like, you know what? I said it so much that it became true. But then I had to, you know, get through that thought process because that is a dark a dark hole. Oh gosh, um, yes. But I'm glad that you said that because it just makes me feel a little bit better about not. I mean, I wish I would never have said it, but there was just something that just told me, you know, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I mean, and same, say it all the time. And I'd be like, you know, everybody, even when people were around me getting pregnant and we hadn't even started trying, I kept saying it like, I just, my biggest fear, I'm just really worried. And and it came from nowhere because I didn't at that point have any medical, you know, information to back it Mm -hmm. up, but I'm glad I went with my gut and, and seeked help because if I hadn't, I don't, I mean, I definitely wouldn't be pregnant right now. I just, I don't know how long my journey would have continued. Yeah, no, definitely. And I mean, so obviously 
being ecstatic now to be almost mom, but the journey was not easy and it wasn't linear by any means. Um, it was definitely a challenge. So I guess take us to like the beginning. I know it's a lot, right, to put into words, you know, the last several years, but kind of like take us back to the beginning of your journey and kind of the like, what was the path like for you guys? Oh, gosh. Well, without <laughs> taking up hours of our time, I'll try to condense this down a little bit. But basically, um, we tried naturally and like I said, a little bit neurotic at times. Um, and gosh, what those times were not very fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> until about January of 2020. And then I had, so it's interesting because I I'm not sure if it's quite, it was a chemical pregnancy or a miscarriage, which I think mm-hmm. they're kind of the same thing, but, mm-hmm. um, I, that was confirmed by my primary care uh, physician and I kind of expressed to her my concerns. Luckily, without even question, she referred me to a specialist. I, like I'd said, I kind of told her I knew something was my gut was wrong. I just, I didn't know what it was or even what, how to put my finger on it. But, um, I really appreciated her referring me because in all honesty, like that's truly the best thing that could have happened. Cause typically they want you to try for at least a year yeah, before they'll even see you or give you any type of medical treatment. Mm-hmm. So I met with this guy, um, luckily friends. And like she just said, he's very forward thinking, um, and he probably won't even really ask why you're here. He'll just get down to business. And I'm like, perfect. That's what yeah. I need. <laughs> so um, we kind of had to start from scratch because he didn't know really anything about me. So we did a lot of blood work, um, a couple ultrasounds. And then what was interesting is the ultrasound had led, um, left some questions. And he's like, I but I really think we should do a CT scan. And I'm like, is that normal? You know, of course. Right. At that point, I had no idea, but I'm like, sure, if you're telling me to do CT scan, let's go for it. <laughs> so I do a CT scan, and this time of the world was right when the pandemic hit. This was like right around February, March. Mm-hmm. Um, did a CT scan, ironically, laid off from work that week. And that day I was laid off, he called and was like, I don't want to concern you or scare you. But we think um, there may be um, a tumor. He was like, I don't know if it's cancerous. I don't know what it is, but it looks kind of funny to me. So I want to do MRI. And I'm like, oh, my God. That's terrifying. Yeah. So (laughs) global pandemic laid off and now potentially have a tumor. I'm like, awesome. So for about nine days, we're all just kind of sitting on pins and needles being like, oh, gosh. Well, this journey took a huge turn. So luckily the MRI actually confirmed, um, a uterus, which it sounds very magical, it but does. It, it's, it's not, <laughs> I can promise you. It's right. Not. right. <laughs> um, but we were overjoyed that it wasn't cancer or tumor or anything yeah. that was, um, crazy. And then it's funny that I say crazy because once we figured out what this was, we were like, oh, interesting. Hmm. So as far as the diagnosis goes, um, it felt really good to have answers. It also felt great knowing I followed my gut and my intuition because I 
I knew something was wrong. I just didn't know what it was. Mm -hmm. So for those listeners who do not know what a unicorn uterus is, basically it's a rare genetic condition where only half of your uterus forms. Um, It's smaller than a typical uterus. It typically has one fallopian tube um, and it's kind of shaped like a single horned uterus it's very complicated like if you think about a regular uterus it's like shaped kind of like a triangle and then you have your two fallopian your two ovaries well in my case I had both tubes but only one was partially connected Hmm. so with it being partially connected when I would have my period that blood would kind of seep out of that area and spill into my pelvic cavity which was causing severe pain but Once again, going back to our conversation about like reproductive health and in high school, like they basically just told you periods hurt, suck it up. Right, right, right. So I just assumed this severe pain I was dealing with every single month was totally normal. Um, And it wasn't. So he was like, okay, you know, we have the answer. You have a unicorn uterus, but with this fallopian tube being not fully connected, you know, another reason why you're not getting pregnant too, is that if you're ovulating on that side, the egg is is slipping out of that area too. Right. Okay. So his suggestion was, you know, let's go ahead and get you hooked up with um, a fertility specialist so we can loop them in and let them know what's going on. Um, Because I guess experience he had seen most people that had the unicorn uterus typically needed some additional fertility treatment. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, I'm, I'm cool with that. Turns out both him, my doctor, and my fertility specialist were familiar with this condition. So I ended up having surgery to remove that fallopian tube. Well, while they're in there, they severe endometriosis. Yeah. And was able to remove it, which was great. Basically, endometriosis is like scarring that mm-hmm. develops where it's not supposed to. Was yours on your tubes? And the uterus or where, where was your endo? It was everywhere. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and it was crazy because they, I came out of surgery and they had told my husband, they were like, we're blown away that she has not complained about pain Wow. because the amount of endometriosis that we removed made us think that she should have been in excruciating pain, like all the time. Wow. But I think I, I mean, they have high pain tolerance, but I just thought it was normal. Like yeah, I no, truly thought. Mm-hmm. Having to like take Midol and Advil and using the heating pad and mm-hmm. all of that was totally normal, but clearly it's not. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, you know, at that point, we had had countless done ultrasounds, blood work, and then pretty invasive surgery. The surgery is similar to almost like a C section. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a, a lovely scar already. Um, that's okay. <laughs> you know what? It's okay. And I will yep. say this, after my surgery, I was pain-free for, I guess, I mean, at this point a year, because I had the surgery last May. But as far as periods go, I did not have another painful period until I got pregnant. Wow. Which was wow. incredible. That is incredible. Yeah. So, wow. I mean, that surgery alone um, was huge. I mean it obviously helped me get closer to my end goal of getting pregnant, but, Mm -hmm. um, just from a, you know, point of 
being able to like live comfortably, it made the world of a difference. Um, so what we did from there is after the surgery I healed, we were like super excited and once again, naive, um, to think that we could get pregnant <laughs> naturally. So he was like, all right, well, let's, why don't we just do like a, a medicated cycle and timed intercourse? And we're like, yes, this is going to be it. <laughs> we're going to yep. get it. It's yep. going to be awesome. Yep. And what did you, <laughs> what meds did you use for that? I used, um, Clomid. Clomid. Yeah. Yes. So we were super pumped and we we're like, Clomid's cheap. This is going to be yep. great. We're not going to have to go the expensive route. Yes. Well, a few months of that, um, you know, countless negative pregnancy tests is just like a kick in the gut. Yeah. And I will say when you only have one fallopian tube, you have to wait till you ovulate on the correct side. Yep. Cause I have both ovaries, but like you have to wait until the ovary with the fallopian tube ovulates. Yep. So we had that against us from the get go. Yeah. Same. It's like, <laughs> yeah, we got to wait. And you're like, yep. damn it. It's not the month. Like, you get so excited. You have all these follicles growing and then you ovulate on the wrong side. Yeah. So that was always a bummer. So then we were like, okay, let's switch to IUI. Cause that's a little bit more controlled mm-hmm. and a little bit more financially, you know, easier to swallow. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, and unfortunately that did not work either. And so we had to have a very tough conversation with our doctor and he was like, honestly, like, I think you're the perfect candidate for IVF. And I will say, like, after months and of negative pregnancy tests and, like, looking at our journey of everything we had been through, I'm like, you know, if I can take some more control over this situation, I think I will feel a lot better. And fortunately for my personality type and how IVF works, we were able to go that route. And I will say... Like, I know that IVF is not for everybody uh, due to that financial burden, you know, mm-hmm. not to mention insurance doesn't cover shit, which is so right. frustrating. Right. I, I, I truly realize how blessed we are to even have had the opportunity to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a lot on your body, you know, absurd, amount, absurd amounts of hormones being injected. But I will say, like, every time I got ready to do it, I was like, okay, this is going to get me one step closer to having a baby. Um, yeah. And I just need to suck it up. But also, I will say, there's a huge misconception about IVF. Um, if you People think if you do IVF, you're going to get pregnant. Right. Unfortunately, yeah. that's not the case. Mm-hmm. It just gives you another chance at getting pregnant. Yeah. And I will say, like, um, going through all of this, I've been able to find a pretty good support system online. Thankfully, people are now talking about these topics and able to share, you know, similar to your podcast, um, which I'm so appreciative of you doing this. It's given people the opportunity to, to hear similar stories to themselves and not feel so alone. But there were a lot of people that I had connected with that had multiple failed IVF cycles. Yeah. And it's just like devastating to hear that. And also it's hard going into something new, trying to stay positive and excited and hopeful. And then knowing in the back of your head that this huge financial burden also could re- you know result in another negative test yeah for sure for sure and I mean during this time obviously it's a lot going on on top of the hormones on top of 
just being drained. I think, you know, is it emotionally, mentally, physically? So how did you cope? Like, what were the things that you had to do to keep your mind and body healthy? Because that's like more than half the battle, I think, is, is finding the ways to get through it. Because you can, you know, I think, you know, we're, we're all tough enough now. We're strong enough. We can, we can, you know, stick it out through, you know, the, the meds. We can stick it out through the, the injections and all of that. But how do you keep yourself um, sane, <laughs> I guess? <laughs> You know, how'd you do it? That's a great question. I'm still trying to figure that part out. Um, No, in all seriousness. So like, I mean, I've been totally transparent this, you know, part from the start until now. So I'm like, why not? Why sugarcoat this? The mental toll that this journey had taken on me, like was harder than anything I'd ever been through ever. And my husband was in the military. He deployed to Syria. Like, you know, I've, I've, had death in the family, like you, you name it, things that you're like, oh, you know, that that's really sad or that's hard. But like this just was something that I didn't even know how to cope with. Mm-hmm. And typically I open and like to talk things through and, you know, therapy for sure, you know, talk to my girlfriend's parents, but some days I would just have to shut down. Like I just could not, some days couldn't talk to friends or families members, you know, no one seemed to understand. Um, I really didn't want to talk to my husband because truly I felt like I was letting him down. Like I felt like I was letting him down because I wasn't able to give him exactly what he wanted family. And that killed me. Yeah. I mean, we're a teammate, we're team members, you know, we're teammates and we both want something. We're both very type A people where we're like, if we see something or want something, we're going to go for it and we're going to work as hard as we can we can to get it. And this was something that we just like worked so hard for, and we were still not getting the end result. And it was so hard. Right. Um, you know, I will say there are times to pull myself up off the ground. Um, and I would just have to have a little pep talk with myself and be like, okay, today we're only going to look forward. You know, luckily after my diagnosis, I diagnosis, I had actually found an online support group for the unicorn at uterus, um, on Facebook which is crazy. There are actually two women that are local that one went to high school and the other one went to, um, I don't, she didn't go to college with me, but I knew her through college. Oh, wow. Um, crazy. <sighs> so one of them actually has a six month old baby boy and the other one's having her egg retrieval tomorrow. And so it's been so amazing to have these connections where we're so that we can talk about like, you know, how are you feeling today and what's going on? And mm-hmm. especially the one that's already had her baby. I'm like, oh my gosh, she actually got pregnant naturally, which is oh, wow. incredible. Her story is one of those that you're like, oh my gosh, this is such a God moment. She yes. had her had talked about like, I guess, financially what they thought would make the most sense for their family. And she was like, I don't think I could mentally cope with IVF failing. Mm. So she was like, we're going to take, you know, that money and actually go the adoption route. So they filled out all of that adoption paperwork and she got pregnant. Wow. Yes. Wow. And so it was one of those things where you're like, oh my gosh, like this is amazing. And they have been trying for seven years, I believe. Mm. Um, And then another girl that I was mentioning that has the unicorn uterus and has her egg retrieval tomorrow. Um, she had just found out she had the unicorn it in January 
And she's very similar to me where she's like, you know what, we're going to, we're going to just go straight for it and dive right into IVF. Cause that was like what her doctor had suggested. So just exciting to be able to have people to talk to. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I feel weird saying excited because <laughs> that's terrible. I don't watch this on anybody, but at the end of the day, it does make you feel like you're not alone. And what's interesting to me too, is like, I'm sure people have heard the statistic, but like one in eight struggle to conceive. And that's mm-hmm. a lot. It is like yeah. a lot more than we realize. And mm-hmm. I feel like we have to get rid of the stigma that like sex and fertility are so private. I mean, if that were truly the case, then women wouldn't be asked 500 times a week. When are we having children? <laughs> right. Like, <I'm> not <laughs> At my wedding reception, I was asked four different times when we would have children. Yeah. I'm like, first, can I get through my own damn wedding? I mean, right. And of course I laughed it off at the time, but now yeah. I'm like, now knowing what I've been through, it's just not an appropriate question to ask anybody. It's not, it's not. You just don't know what people yeah. are going through. And I mean, yeah. like I said before, luckily we just live in a time where social media has allowed us to have the platform to reach out to other people. In your case, you set up this awesome podcast and your Instagram page and allowed people to you know talk about their struggles or at least listen in and feel like they're not alone and yeah sharing it is hard at times but it definitely and it makes you very vulnerable but I will say for me it's helped with my healing for sure yeah no I I totally agree with you and I think you know that that was the whole goal was to just I just felt like I was being pulled in the direction that it needed to happen and it's been just crazy to have, you know, just people in my circle like you who, you know, we had never discussed it in person before. And, and here we are now, you know, talking about all these things and then having some shared experiences. Um, you know, obviously you have a unique condition, um, but I also share in the, the endo world and in the one fallopian tube world and the surgery world, and the scars world and you know, with all things, you know, God willing, I'll also share in the IVF world and, you know, prayerfully have a success story to share as well. But it's just, like you mentioned, being able to connect with strangers and other people, whether it's friends, family, what have you, it's just been really overwhelming in a positive way because it is hard to share. But as you mentioned, like when you start doing it, you realize how common it is. And if we all were sharing, we would all feel like 10 times better about where we were and not, you know, compare so much to, well, it was easy for her. Why not me? And all of that. It's like, well, I know I have my own community and I'm going to find it. And I have that place to just be, transparent and and get, and get through it you know but I think also, it's easy oh. to get down that rabbit hole of like, oh my god woe is me Girl. this is not fair yeah yes but uh, yeah yeah and, and it's a it's a hard place to be because it's hard to get, but it is you yeah. just look you need to look forward and, and rely on these people that truly have your back and understand like the emotional and physical and financial toll it takes on you. I mean, it's, it's amazing talking to some of these women that you don't really even know and mm-hmm. the connection you make right off the bat. Like some yeah. of these women, I'm, I would say I'm a little bit closer to than some of my best friends because they just get it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And so I know 
uh, we've discussed on other episodes, like, you know, I believe in faith and science and, um, but faith, you know, typically I think that for a lot of us plays a large uh, part of the journey, um, you know, whatever your faith may look like um, for everyone's different. But for you, like, did you feel like faith was part of your journey and allowing you to find ways to cope and be, you know, faithful throughout the process? Oh, gosh. So this is a, and like I had said before, there's no point in sugarcoating this. Um, I struggled with my faith as a kid. I was kind of forced to go to church, didn't really understand it, didn't really enjoy it. So my parents were kind of like, whatever, we give up, we'll let you just kind of figure out your own thing. So we moved back to Richmond, I actually started going to church with my sister um, and was, I'm not going to lie, kind of hesitant to go, but she was like, come on, it's it's very casual, like no pressure. It's not going to be, you know, one of those churches that everybody's going to be notice if you're there or not. I'm like, okay, cool. I'll go. So the first service I attended with her actually weirdly moved me and I cried and I was kind of embarrassed. I cried because I'm like, what am I doing? I don't even want to be here. And now I'm crying. Like I felt like the message was absolutely tailored to me that day. And mm. ever since then I started going regularly I even was actually baptized in January of 2020 before I was carried. And I don't think there's a coincidence in that because I think it allowed me to kind of stay grounded in my faith from then to be able to get me to where I am now. Um, Mm -hmm. My faith definitely was tested more than I'd like to admit. Some days I would be super mad at God because I just didn't understand um, and then I'd be even more upset, mad at God. <laughs> so it was yep. like this internal struggle of like, I shouldn't be upset with him. Like mm-hmm. I have so much to be blessed and thankful for. And here I am like upset when I look, you know, especially in the state of the world, it was in the global pandemic going on around me. And I'm like, I'm so selfish. Like, why am I being like this? Yeah. Now I will say like, I continue to push through and I was continuing to attend virtual services um, and the messages, weirdly enough, continued to feel like they were designed for me. One service, um, and I'll never forget this, and I actually videotaped it. It was, he talked about life. And it turns out his twins were actually conceived via IVF. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> luckily, I was in the comfort of my own home <laughs> listening to this because I was, like, sobbing hysterically. Um, these signs and messages that kept coming to me didn't feel like a coincidence. Yep. Um, so I kind of had this moment of where I'm like, instead of being upset with God, I'm going to just lean into him and like, kind of leave it all for him and be like, look, I have no control in this. I'm doing everything I can do um, from like a doctor standpoint and, you know, seeing all the right people and, and trying to take care of myself the best I can. But like, I'm at a crossroad where I'm like, I just can't do anything else. And I need to just let you be God and do your thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, some days are still really hard, but I know he's got me. And I will tell you this, actually, you and I, I think we talked about this a couple months ago where, um, what do you say daily that helps you get through? And my yes, I love mantra, it. I love your mantra. Yes. So I was like, right before I started IVF, I would say every single night, I'd say my body is strong. My body is capable. I am worthy of being a mother and I know that God has got me every step of the way. I love it. 
Yeah. And I felt like it was one of those things where I'm like, I can definitely say that every day when I'm, even when I'm feeling weak or down, I'm like, you know what? Like I'm strong and I've got this and I'm absolutely worthy. And I know that God's got me. I mean, there, and that's all you can do is just kind of put your faith in him. If, if you're doing everything you can on the other side, like, you know, putting the work in. And I, you've reminded me that I actually made a note just now to write my fertility mantra. I had done one a couple of years ago, probably in 2019, um, with my therapy. And it was more, you know, it was general, but I mean, it could apply to anything, but it was still a little more general. But I need to write one that is very specific to this journey. And so that is going to be what I do this week. Um, because like you said, to have something simple that I can remember every single day, you know, I'll probably put it up some places in the house so I can remind myself, but, um, it's important. And I think I absolutely believe in the power of mantras and affirmations to change your thought process that somehow unlocks something, you know, in your mind or your body to make that, that, that thing happen. Right. Like, yeah. I, I believe in it too. So I thank you for sharing your mantra because I might take some of those words. Oh, <laughs> <So>. please! <laughs> it's very simple. And, and some may think it's silly. Like I'm sure if I told my husband that I said this every single night, he'd be like, what is wrong with you? But <laughs> for me, it works. And for me, yeah. it just gets me back to being in that positive mindset because with infertility, you can be in the dark, in the very deep, dark, terrible places for mm-hmm. long time. And mm-hmm you know, I don't want to ever be in that place again. And I will say like, it, it kills me knowing that other people are there or have been there. And that's why I also want to share and be a sounding board for other people if they want to talk. And of course, opening up and sharing is not for everybody. Um, Right. But if it is, and somebody that's listening right now, or, you know, here's your story or my story, and they feel comfortable out, that's, that's huge. I just want people to feel like I'm there for them and I can be a sounding board. And I will say since sharing my, my journey, I've met a few other friends and actually been able to refer people to the doctors I've seen, which has been amazing because I feel like we're very blessed and lucky to be in Richmond with these, these doctors we have, because you and I are at the same clinic and they're top notch. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, they are. Um, I think I I thought about it. you said the the coincidences you know not being coincidences with you know the things happening right in the in the right time and the, the kind of the God things happening and I thought about a book that I had read it was probably uh, maybe 2018 or so maybe or maybe 2017 um, it was a gift it was called When God Winks at You have you ever heard of that book I haven't but I need to look into that. Um, the author is Squire Rushnell. It's a very unique name, but it's called When God Winks at You. And the God winks, I mean, it's literally, you know, God is winking at you, but it's it's like how God speaks directly to you through the power of coincidence. Mm-hmm. And I just thought about that when you mentioned, I was looking up real quick, but um, share that book with you and whoever else. But it's a really good, quick, quick read, like story, story book kind of read. Um, but it's good. But I, I truly believe in God winks. I know that they are a real thing and that I have also felt like that, you know, with people or things that have happened along my journey. I used to call it little like lights on my journey mm-hmm. because it's how I felt. It was like I felt dark. 
I was in a dark space and then a light would happen and it would be, you know, someone sharing or it would be a situation or a place or a person or a thing. And it was like, you know, I, I, I too was like, that can't be coincidence. Like, you know, I needed that at that moment and it happened and it was like, oh, that's a God wink. That's God winking at me. Oh, I so, love that. <laughs> that sure. Yeah, it's really cute. So we've talked about a lot. Um, and, you know, as we kind of wrap up, I always want to leave, you know, our community with advice or takeaways. Um, so what advice do you have for those either starting their journey or someone who was literally in the thick of it today? So the best piece of advice I can give someone that's either starting their journey journey or who's in the thick of it, you need to advocate for yourself, go with your gut you know your body more than anyone else um, and just and just really listen to it. Um, push for those specialists if that's what you feel is necessary. I mean, my situation, I, I knew something was wrong. I didn't know what it was, but I'm just so glad I pushed for myself. And it's funny, my mother-in-law was like, gosh, I've never seen someone who is so like determined when it comes to mm-hmm. stuff. She was like, you kept telling us you knew something was wrong but you just didn't know what. And she's like, and it's amazing how quickly you were able to figure it out with the right team of doctors. Yeah. What's funny is when I was telling y'all about my journey, um, I contacted my first doctor in January of 2020. I ended up getting pregnant. Um, let me think January of 2021. So wow. it took me a year and it sounds long, but if you think about finding three different doctors and having your diagnosis figured out. And, and surgery. You had surgery, surgery too. And healed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was pretty so quick. It was quick. It was yeah. really quick, thankfully, because I'm not patient. But <laughs> advocate for yourself and push because luckily now that the world's opening back up and you're able to get into the doctor's offices and stuff, people you know, are willing to see you. And I will say when it comes to your mental health, that's the, the most important one. I mean, give yourself grace. Know that this will not last forever. Unfortunately, like most things in life, time helps and heals. And I know nobody wants to hear that because that just sucks. You don't want to wait. And I will say too, when thinking back, if somebody had said, just give it a year, I'd be like, a year? Are you fucking kidding me? Like, right. I want it now. Yeah. Like, I don't want to wait. I'm ready right now. But mm-hmm. Knowing what I know now, I've been able to take care of myself and get myself and my body in the best place it can be to be able to carry this baby. Um, You know, allow yourself to feel all of the feelings. Suppressing it, unfortunately, just makes it a little bit harder. Um, Learn to be able to say no to certain things that will help guard your heart, Uh, like a baby shower or kid's birthday. I've, I've had to say no to quite a few things because I just, my heart couldn't handle it. Yeah. Um. And that's okay. And luckily people around you, if they know what you're going through, they completely understand. And if not, then they're not, they shouldn't be in your tribe. Um, You know, definitely talk about it if you want. And like I said, find your tribe or your community and lean into them. You know, feeling alone in your journey is, is definitely an easy thing to do, but just know there are so many women out there that are feeling just like you and that, are a good resource if, if you do want to talk.
Lindsay, I just thank you again for being a faithful fertility advocate and also someone in my circle of hope. Um, You have been nothing but open and helpful as we two plan for our IVF journey. Uh, You've been transparent and allowed me with open arms just to ask you questions um, and just, you know, open to give me any feedback or or things learned, um, you know, from your journey. So I appreciate you and I thank you. I can't wait to see you in full mommy mode um, and to meet your little girl. So uh, we love the fact that you were able to share your success story with our fertility and fair community and also that we can in turn honor your journey. So sending you uh, lots of love and prayers for a peaceful end to your pregnancy and the beginning of motherhood. So if you have enjoyed this episode, please like, follow, and share. Uh, find us on social media at Fertility Ain't Fair and check out our website, fertilityaintfair.com. And as always, until next time, I am your friend in fertility. Stay hopeful.